0: Hello and welcome back to Wit Glass Unfiltered. I'm your host, Courtney Huntington, and this is episode 33. I'm super excited today to have with me one of my personal favorite singer songwriters, Lex Land, and uh, I'm excited to introduce you to her. I, I've been talking about having her on the show for two or three weeks, so if you've been listening along, you know that, that this is coming, and I'm glad that it's finally actually here. But before I introduce you to uh, to Lex, uh, I've got to talk about uh, the coffee I'm drinking this morning, because as you know, I'm not at home, and so I don't have access to my wonderful Yura Impressa C60 espresso machine that uh, I've come to love so much. Um, and I, I want to tell you a quick story about the coffee experience, because we brought our our old Keurig with us here. And uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know that we have this fancy solo fill grinder that grinds fresh beans into mm-hmm. these little reusable cups. And we we make our coffee fresh. We like it fresh. And we forgot to bring the little cups with us on the trip. We brought the coffee maker. We brought the grinder. But we did not bring those little cups. So we stopped at a little Winn-Dixie store on the way. Um, and all they had were these filters with a disposable paper insert. And what we've discovered is that those little paper inserts clog up the filtration process and stop the flow of water running through the curing. So we used our Amazon Prime membership and immediately ordered a couple of the actual uh, filter similar to what we normally use, the reusable kind with the nice strainer mesh, and uh, so I am now drinking coffee made with the Keurig, fresh, not with the stupid paper filter that that almost ruined the machines. And I'm thankful to report that it's all working fine now again, and the coffee tastes great. Now. I'm going to introduce you to Lex, and I'm going to ask her a question about coffee because obviously coffee is important to us here. Um, Without further ado, here's Lex Land, and Lex, it's great to have you with me. Thanks for being here on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So Lex, um, before we started recording, you got up to refresh your cup of coffee. Is that right? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So what kind of coffee are you drinking? (laughs)
1: I don't know. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I definitely am, am a coffee person for sure. Um, I, it's kind of like how quickly can I get it into me in the morning? Uh-huh. Really, is the thing. So um, I, I, uh, I subscribe to like a CSA um, service, like a Ooh. farm share service, and um, I've I've done some in the past. That I'm, I'm using a service uh, now that um, rather than sourcing from one farm. Um, they they have like a bunch of different farms that they source various things from, and they also have um, you know like local like coffee roasters in this case, and um, and other you know things. So I uh, I get some stuff delivered every week, and so I, I have something from them. So um, I really can't recall exactly the whole thing what it is, but it's called Wild Gift and um and so they're they're probably i'm pretty sure i don't think it's austin roasters but um but it'll probably be a texas roaster um and it's pretty good i think i'm drinking it's called rude boy it's kind of got like a smoky tobacco-y chocolate thing which is sort of my jam
0: oh Um, yeah that that sounds awesome yeah so you um it, it sounds like this is really good quality coffee
1: yeah, and I'm like just putting it through a really crappy drip drip machine, but um, but yeah, I mean, I have I don't I really want a Chemex, but uh, but you know, I just really I have a French press and I don't use it, so I mean, and like one of those, mm. I'm a big fan of those little. Uh, Like those little espresso, um, percolator things you put on the stove. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I have a couple of those. I love those. But again, it's, you know, it's like, that takes too long. I need it as quickly as possible. So um, did you grind your beans fresh or does it come ground already? It doesn't come ground. To Again, to be honest, I usually just, I get it once, I get the coffee once a week. And so I'll just grind it all at once and I keep it in an airtight container um, uh. and then and do that. Again, I, I don't want to. Also, um, the way our kitchen is not like tiny, but it's not super luxurious. So we don't really have space. All of my coffee stuff is kind of kept in a separate area. Um, from the kitchen, so there isn't really a good outlet to like leave the. I, ha- I have to take the grinder into the kitchen to, to you know, plug it in to grind. It, it, anyway, more detail than you need, but it's that's a whole ex. Again, this is a whole extra step. Um, I mean, best case scenario, I could maybe do it the, the day before, but then it's like at that point, like, what's the point, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, once once the coffee's stale, it's stale. So what's a little more stale? Yeah okay yeah (laughs) now um moving on from coffee i i I appreciate your your candor about the coffee Uh, i i love coffee i have actually worked in coffee shops and um so i i'm a rather particular about my coffee i'm not a an absolute purist i understand that there are different levels but i i love coffee to taste clean and fresh and delicious so Um, I appreciate you answering about your coffee, uh, process.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm like a half coffee, coffee snob. Like I don't want something that I would at least want it to start like, well,
0: (laughs) you know, like start
1: in a good place and then everything after that will just be my own fault. You know,
0: (laughs) that's right. As as long as everybody else gets it right. I, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can do what I want, but you'd better get it Right. Right. Okay, so now uh, again, before we get into the deep stuff, I I was thinking about um, my favorite songs that I've heard from you, and I I began to think because I I was talking to my wife the other day. Uh, We were out to dinner, and I was just telling her about some of you know what we've uh, what I was thinking about talking with you about, and um, we'd actually just seen the movie Wonder Woman together, and. Um, we're talking about how much we enjoyed that and had not expected to enjoy it uh, as much as we did. But we thought there were some really great themes. And so you started talking about your song, uh, Play in Reverse, mm-hmm. uh, because you've got the theme of fairy tale and Prince Charming and heroes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's one line in particular that that has always jumped out at me. And it's the line, um, "I am not fair enough, a maid, a mere peasant in distress." And I, I've, I've thought about that from the very first time I heard the song. I've got a six and a half year old daughter, my wife and I do, and and so of course I think about things like that in connection to her. But I'm, I'm curious about, about that line and about the the things that that go into pouring out your soul, as you say, and um, you know that that line you have about uh, pouring slowly spelling
1: out my heart for everyone to read. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I I I love that line. So you know, talking about about yourself as not fair enough a maid is obviously revealing some of your own uh shall we say hang ups your your you know issues that you wrestle with, so I'd like to hear about some of those things if you're willing to delve into that i know i i I said I wasn't going to jump right in, but oh, I, no. I just did so
1: that's fine um well uh yeah, I mean, I suppose it is a little bit of a tender subject, but it's it's um let's see how do i start um i would say particularly on that first album um i you know, well there are a couple things i have sort of like a self um uh self-deprecating sense of humor um mm-hmm. so that and i try to write honestly and kind of yeah. you know how i would talk so there's a little bit of that and then also a lot on that first album there are a lot of um a lot of the songs are kind of these veiled uh, you know, me just sort of talking about my dissatisfaction with with myself, or at least how I think other people see me, um, particularly physically. Um, so, uh, like, a lot of the songs on that album are about um, a friend of mine that we're, we're still quite close and, and you know, bygones are bygones and it's all fine now. But, um, but I was just, I just, you know, had this really you know, bad crush on him. And he's, uh, he's a professional ballet dancer. Um, and so, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm, you know, a plus size woman, (laughs) you know, so I wasn't, I was like a little bit more petite back then, but, um, but you know, it was just kind of this, this silly thing you know i don't know why i thought that that would work i mean it's it's fine it's it's totally fine it's but um but you know you know i think at uh, the time near that i wrote that song like i had gone and seen him in nutcracker and like so that's where a lot of the uh the allegory of like the the prince and the princess and all that yeah. stuff kind of comes in It's actually a little more literal um yeah. but i liked the idea of of uh, him sort of being on a pedestal and me feel you know me feeling like not worthy enough i thought that that was a good way to kind of um portray that um and a lot of the songs on that like uh, like countless songs it's it's mostly about that as well you know i just okay. I don't feel um just didn't feel like worthy you know or whatever it just wasn't going to happen because of the way it looked which which felt kind of uh, shitty to me at the time um, but I get why, and it's fine, and it would, wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked out. So it's fine; it all worked out for the best. But uh, yeah. but yeah, that's kind of where that comes from.
0: And we, we all have our own psychological issues, our our own hangups, whether it comes from. Uh, relationships or personal failures or w- whatever it might be. And th- that's one of the reasons that, um, that I think that I've been attracted to your music is that uh, as I think I said in an email to you, it, it just, it feels honest to me. And <laughs>
1: it's, it's all a, I can really hope for, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and I just, you know, it, it's so easy to look out at the stars and of course you, you were on the voice. And so you, you got to, to interact with, with those, those people who are so far out there, it, it feels like everything in their lives must be perfect. But of course, we know that that's not really true. We just don't get to see the other side,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, which, which I think is part of the whole, uh, fairy tale, Prince Charming connection too, is that in reality, the, the fairy tales weren't, true either of course they, oh, yeah. they, weren't, they weren't necessarily designed to be that they were designed a lot of times to be just stories or have a little bit of allegory or metaphor or something right mm-hmm. yes
1: yeah. so
0: as you write are all of your songs related to real incidents in your life or do you do you create these fictional worlds as
1: well um I would say that 98% of what I write is rooted in some autobiographical instance. Uh sometimes no. um particularly like I'm not sure how familiar you are with with the content I develop on a regular basis but I uh so sorry if I'm boring you with information you already know but No no um, that's okay. But uh but I uh I I have a well, for uh, the past few years, I've been participating in a songwriting group um, with my friend Bob Schneider, who uh, is sort of like a Texas famous uh, singer-songwriter. Um, yeah. yeah, so he he kind of he's been doing this this group for like you know more than a decade, and I you know just kind of joined it a few years ago. But uh, where we write a song every week, so we're we're given a prompt, oh, nice. and uh, and we have to turn a song in with the prompt somewhere in there. Um, and with that, uh, challenge, um, having come into my life, like it's, it's hard. Well, firstly, it's just hard to come up with content that's autobiographical that, you know, every week, um, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and in a way it's kind of like going to therapy every week, you know, cause, mm. um, but also I personally get kind of sick of hearing myself talk about the same shit over and over. So, yeah. um, so sometimes if I'm just, if I'm either uninspired or if I'm just really tired of going over, uh, you know, rehashing a, an issue I've already written about a hundred times, um, then a lot of times I'll um, I'll kind of find um, a, a, a thread of a story. Mm-hmm. And if I yeah. have to grab pieces from different things um, and sort of create an amalgamation of, of, of things into a frame that works, sometimes I'll do that. But even songs that are not completely about a specific situation usually like the stances themselves are something that i have experienced or um you know um occasionally i'll kind of write from the perspective of someone i know maybe but um but yeah pretty much everything is because even then i'm trying to relate it to something i actually feel because i don't i I personally kind of feel that's the whole point of sharing art is to um you know relate it to Obviously, either relating it to myself or to the person that I'm kind of trying to uh, communicate with, you know, whoever's hearing it, um, want there to be some sort of, you know, relation there. So,
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, over the years, uh, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, your first album came out and you were young, you're going through this particular relationship and and all of the thought process connected to that. Um <coughs> When you got to your second album, were you still uh, w- were you still looking back at that relationship, or was it new experiences at that point that you were yeah. relating to in the second album?
1: Um, I mean, without looking at a track list, I would there there were a few things, there were a lot of things that happened in between recording the first album and and releasing the second. You know, so um, I would say. You know, easily, like, we kind of mentioned this in our email before, before we got to talking today, but, um, my, the oldest song on Orange Days, I wrote when I was 17 years old, so, um, so, and it came, the album came out when I was 22, but we were pretty much done recording it when I was 20, Ah. um, so, those songs are kind of from that, um, a few, I mean, a few things happened. I had a, I I moved out of my parents' house. We, my dad and I had a falling out. Um, not very close, not really don't have a super stable relationship with my mother. So, um, so at that point I'm kind of on my own, uh, you know, moved to LA. I, I left, uh, I had, A pretty serious relationship that kind of fell apart and then I kind of you know dated a little bit and then broke up with that person to move to LA sorry it's kind of a lot of information um and then once I got to LA I was in another relationship for a couple of years and then when I um shortly after we broke up uh I moved to Austin so um kind of what you're getting is the mostly songs from um, that longer relationship that I had in Los yeah. Angeles, yeah. and um, some of the guilt I was feeling about the the person I left in, in Orange County, where I'm from, um, mm-hmm. which just wasn't a good relationship. wasn't the right fit for me anyway, yeah. so I really didn't have any reason to feel guilt about it, but I did. So yeah, um, so that's kind of it. And then also, there's a little bit of of um, I, you know i think we had done half of the album sorry half of sweetheart before i moved to austin and then kind of finished the rest by me you know just making trips out there from austin um so some of the songs are like a little bit influenced by me moving out here as well so um but i would say for the most part the second album is is uh Mostly focused on, there you know, there's a little bit of um, stuff about Maria in there. My my one big dark room project muse, um, yeah. and uh, but mostly that that other relationship that I had when I was living in Los Angeles.
0: All right, so I I already know because I've read um, you know emails from you that, that you've sent out for the one big dark room project. Um, I I know a little bit at least of of that. Story, but uh, it sounds like a lot has happened in your life since the release of Sweetheart, and I'm I'm curious about w- you know what things have transpired that you you feel free to talk about, but not just the events, but how your perspective has changed throughout that process as well.
1: Yeah. um... Okay, well, let's see. So we finished recording "Where My Sweetheart To Go" maybe in, in It must have been done in two thousand nine. You know, like the first within the first year that I moved to Austin, okay. and it didn't come out until twenty eleven. So, ah, yeah. So again, yeah. There's with my records so, notoriously take a really long time to come out. So,
0: so a, a, a quick side note. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not in the the circle of people who know how the recording industry really operates. Is that typical or Um, it it sounds like maybe that's a little longer than usual.
1: It's definitely a little longer than usual. I mean, I wouldn't say there's like a rule because, um, you know, certainly with like majors and stuff like that, this, I think this kind of thing happens a lot because, you know, um, maybe the artist expectations aren't being met or you know the the label isn't happy so they have to scratch things and redo them and scratch things and redo them i've heard a lot about that kind of thing i i think you know more recently it might be a little weirder because people aren't really making albums so much anymore Mm -hmm. you know it's singles and like have to turn things around really quickly so um i'm kind of being in austin i'm kind of removed from the from the la music industry now which i'm actually kind of happy about (laughs) um so i don't really know what like the standards are these days but um and i'm actually kind of fine to not know i'd rather not be influenced by that um but so but yeah to answer your question sorry um yeah it's 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 a little on the long side um so and i'm kind of going through that struggle right now with, with uh, what I I keep calling it Lexland three because I just, it's sort of the end of this trilogy, um, you know, of these sort of coming of age songs and kind of working out that kind of stuff. So I've been working on that for, for pretty much since, uh, since I was eliminated from the voice, which, you know, that also happened maybe three or four months before it aired. Uh, You know, I've been working on this new record and that's been about five years. So
0: Okay. So, uh, let's get back to to the question that I sidetracked us from with that little side note um, how how have things changed for you and what's your your perspective on life now as you look back at everything that's happened you know I mean usually um, you know obviously the, the struggles of life shape us in a lot of different ways for some of us it takes us down. Uh, darker paths, others are lighter paths. Sometimes you go through the darkness to get to the light, you know, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But our, our view of not just ourselves, but the entire world is often shaped by these things. So uh, that's the sort of thing I'm, I'm curious to hear. What's your perspective now as you look back at all that's transpired?
1: Um, I think I've, you know, just in just even in the past well, to be to be quite honest, I, I, uh, I'm in a in a relationship that's been amazing, um, and uh, we've been dating for uh, maybe you know four years. We knew each other for a few years before that. and um, coming from a very um, unstable you know family environment to you know, really uprooted sort of nomadic like couch surfing musician mm-hmm. lifestyle like in my early 20s, and just kind of not having that anchor of, uh, of, you know, support, um, that was a really, really big change for me and, and ultimately kind of like what I was seeking. Um, and so now having that, and I hope that, I think I hoped that the, I either thought, you know, that I would just wouldn't survive or that if I did find that, um, that I could kind of move on from that fixation of like finding something to belong to, and Mm -hmm. kind of start working on other things, you know, like my, uh, my forgiveness work towards my parents and towards myself and all of that stuff, you know? Um, and so, and actually that is basically what happened. So, um, so I'm feeling, I'm, I would certainly say I have a more positive outlook about things than I did. And, um, you know, when I was in my early twenties, uh, you know, my, I have a lot of older friends and they, they would say like, you know, towards your late twenties, it'll start, it'll start turning around just, you know, and I'm like, I don't know, it doesn't look good. (laughs) (laughs) This is not looking good. You guys, you know? Um, but, but sure enough, yeah. Once that, once that thing kind of clicked into place, everything else kind of started getting better. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I have a lot of work to do, you know, like spiritual work and, um, you know, I have sort of like lifelong depressive, anxiety, you know, issues that I probably, you know, need to pay a little more attention to um, just so that I don't sabotage the things that are good. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, uh, overall, my, my life is greatly improved. My outlook is greatly improved. And yeah, like I said, in my early 20s, I really just wasn't, I, was, I just didn't really, not that I, you know, was, sorry, this getting really dark. Not that I was suicidal or anything, but I just wasn't, I was like, didn't really have the um, the the f- foresight, I guess. Like I was just like, eh, whatever happens, you know." <laughs> like I yeah. wasn't planning for my future at all because I just I kind of didn't think I was going to be alive that long. I, I know that's kind of dark, but
0: no, that, um, that, that's that's absolutely okay. And I I think that I I understand um, pretty well. I mean, obviously not necessarily your specifics, but the a lot of the feelings. Um, and the issues that you work through during those times um, I, my I, I was I was 30 I just turned 30 and, and my dad uh, passed away suddenly uh, he was 68 so he, he lived a nice life but I sort of felt like I was going to have another 10 or 15 or 20 years with him you know I didn't ex- yeah. I, I didn't expect him to go that soon and that was a a real thing change for me and it, it put me in, in a dark place for a while as I worked through a lot of issues and some of it was guilt because I felt like I hadn't spent enough time with him Yeah. recently. You know, I'd, I'd uh, prioritized other things when I could have called him, uh, you know, and things like that. Um, but it it also made me realize how short life is. mm mm-hmm. You know, at that point I was almost half his age and, and so I, I could see like, oh, I just have another half to go to get to his age, you know? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and that sort of of perspective I didn't have when I was in my early 20s. When I was in my early 20s, mid-20s, even late 20s, I sort of felt like I had, you know, just forever to go before I got old. Mm-hmm. Um, y- y- it sounds like your perspective and your early to mid 20s was slightly different in that you sort of felt like life was going to be really short though in, in a sense um
1: yeah i i guess so you know I, I didn't really um it's not something i really verbalized at the time but just based on you know my actions and decisions and kind of how yeah. i was governing myself um yeah. yeah i mean i wasn't wasn't over the top i've never really had Any serious, um, you know, substance abuse issues or anything like that. It's just, I don't know. It was more of a, more of an out, like an outlook, I guess. It was just like, "Mm, you
0: know. How many, how many times now can, can you look back and and realize that you had this or that um, outlook on life or, or sense of things that you could never have. Verbalized or even particularized in any way, it wasn't necessarily a conscious thing. It was just sort of how you behaved.
1: I, i'm I'm sorry, what what's the question?
0: Um, the, the The question is as as you're looking back, so you you just expressed that some of these dark feelings or the the short uh, outlook on life w- wasn't a conscious thing necessarily um and i'm as i look back on my life there are lots of things for example that i can look at and say well i realize now looking back that i had this idea in my head i mm-hmm. had this sense of life i had this perspective or something like that but it wasn't necessarily conscious i didn't at the time think oh yeah this is how i view the world but now i look back and realize oh huh, well, that was how I viewed the world at that time.
1: Hmm. Do, um, do you
0: do you have that sort of experience? Do you look back and see that sort of thing?
1: Um, I mean, not exactly. I guess. I mean, okay. I know that this might sound a little strange, but kind of. And and I'm sure. I don't know. I'm not sure how much you would relate to this with you being a writer yourself. But there's sort of this. At least in my experience, uh, being a writer really is this sort of like constant self narration, you yeah. know, and yeah. um, and particularly, you know, I think what I really like about writing songs is their vignettes, you know, and you get to kind of right. take the take a microcosm and sort of, of of a bigger thing and and sort of pick it apart and look at it and be like, how does this relate to the big picture, you know? Um, so with that in mind, I feel like I'm constantly self assessing and Mm. checking in and things like that. So I think I, like I said, I think I knew what I was doing, but I, I didn't verbalize it out. You know, I just didn't really say it out loud. Um, I mean, of course there have been a few paradigm shifts, you know, of course, but, um, but overall I feel like everything there's been, it's pretty much been a smooth transition from one phase to the other. And, I think the self-reflection is probably why there haven't been a lot of, you know, just complete flips Yeah, Um, yeah. because I'm just kind of slowly progressing through things. But I I don't know. I don't know anyone else's experience. So it's hard for me to say like, if that's unusual or not.
0: Right. Right. So as you look back at your music now um, and not just the, the music side of it, but particularly the lyric side of it, are there things that you, you hear now or read again from what you've written that you say, boy, I, I wish I'd said it this way, or I, I don't quite like that line or something like that. And you don't have to tell me which ones, but.
1: Oh yeah. It, um, um, not to be, to be honest, not really. Um, okay. I mean, there are a few things that I feel are kind of like, I feel sort of like I pity myself a little, like I pity my younger <laughs> self a little bit. Cause I'm just like, Oh honey, it's going to be okay. You know, <laughs> Um, but I don't, it, it's not super cringe worthy because it's an honest depiction of where I was at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like getting an embarrassing tattoo or something. It's like, I, I have, I have like a few tattoos and like people ask me about them and like sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's this thing, you know, but like, I'm not really embarrassed of it because it's, it's, you know, uh. A milestone, you know. So I kind of yeah. feel like that about my songs. And um, more than anything, I, it's like the the vocal performances, you know. I'm just like, oh, stop doing that, stop doing that. Like I want to just go <laughs> back and shake myself, um, you know. But that just that's that's mostly probably like the the where the the wincing comes in.
0: Yeah. So in in your creative process now, um, obviously you've you've got these weekly prompts. Uh, but I assume that you're writing other things besides those weekly prompts. Not
1: really. Not really. Not really. That, that keeps a you pretty week, busy. A week is, I know. At one week is enough, you know. I can't rem- I really, I took a break from the, from, we call it the game. I took a okay. break from the game for maybe a year. Might might have been a little under or a little over a year. And I, I was like, out of shit you know I you know I'd already gone through and that's kind of one of the reasons I took a break is I was just like sick of rehashing like I like I said earlier it's kind of sick of rehashing the same stuff over and over and I I was really burnt out on on output at that point you know just like just playing crappy gigs and like not making enough not like valuing myself enough and um just like constantly in output mode and trying to like keep up you know so I at that point I kind of I decided to sort of take a step back and reevaluate why I was doing what I was doing and what the purpose of it was. And if I wanted to keep doing it, you know how to kind of strategize that better. Um, so I, I needed a, I needed that time to, to, you know, receive input. Um, and, and how long ago was it that you took that break? Um, this was maybe two years ago. So I, I want to yeah. say, I, I, I was really close. Not, I, don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to say if I was close to quitting, but, I was getting really you know frustrated um with you know just I just didn't but looking back I just really didn't have a plan I I've been kind of not encumbered they've been they've been very helpful and stuff um you know by the company that first signed me and um but I do have to wait for them to pull triggers on things and make decisions and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and it that you know, they—they they, he found me when I was, ni- you know, nineteen years old, and I'm thirty. You know, and it's—it's it's a long time to. I, I love. I love them. They're amazing people and I really treasure them. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like, I want to have more autonomy of what I'm doing. I don't want to have to wait around for people to tell me it's okay to do something that I want to do. The life's too short, you know, I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting too old for this shit. I need to like make this work, (laughs) you know, like it's just the way I've been doing it isn't sustainable. So I, I just, yeah. So this was maybe two years ago. I took a kind of a, a year, not a complete hiatus. I still did some gigs and stuff like that, but I just, I, I'd been doing music full time at that point and um for a little while and <laughs> I had a, a teaching position and then they they didn't have enough enrollment for the following year so I was like, I can work harder, you know, yeah. doing stuff I don't really wanna do, or I can just kinda give up on this or not give up, but you know, just kinda take a break and just get a day job and, and either do that until I hate it so much that I <laughs> <laughs> you know, figure something else out, or maybe start to you know do some other kind of follow some other path in life. So that that whole thing took about a, I want to say it was about a year. I mean, I wasn't really like keeping yeah. track, but um, yeah, and I then understand. like last fall, I kind of got reenthused, and uh, and so I've been I've been you know going really hard and just trying to just trying so to
0: you're, you're back with the game.
1: Yeah, I'm back in the y- yes. Well, okay. yeah. So I rejoined the game, and then. Not too long after that, Bob, uh, Bob who runs it, was like, um, you know, just was like, "I've been doing this for so long. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop doing it. But you guys continue if you want." Um, and uh, so I, I took it upon myself, another thing to do. Uh, I took it upon myself to start my own group. So, so I'm actually in charge of the group I'm in now, which is kind of cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, oh, cool. yeah. So I have a. It's it's been a slow build, but I think I want to say. I mean, the the group I was in, Bob's original group that I joined was a lot of people. I want to say it was like 70 people, and then he split it into smaller groups. Um, And then some people started their own groups. So um, I was in like kind of Bob's core group, which was maybe five or six, with five or six other people. Um, And so now the group that I run is maybe 10 or so, and it's with some, you know, some people I'm, you know, songwriters I'm friends with, which is really neat, and I'm trying to trying to recruit more because I'd really like to see more content like what I'm creating from people that I really admire and respect. I want to see that. But, you know, it's it's a big commitment, and so it's hard to get people to to do it. But but that's kind of what's happening now. And then I source um, – I kind of started describing this earlier and got sidetracked, but um, I source the prompts now from my patrons on Patreon. So, yeah. <clears throat> so I have a, a Patreon campaign, which if your listeners right, are unfamiliar, yep. is Similar to Kickstarter or Pledge Music, except it's an ongoing donation-style uh, subscription service, um, and some creators—and it's not just musicians that do this. It's you know um, visual artists, po- particularly podcasters, are really. I think it's successful for them, mm-hmm. um, and so that you can either donate like monthly, or depending how the creator has it set up. Uh, like per thing so a lot of musicians will say you know for every YouTube video I do you pledge whatever amount you want so and then if they do one video a month and you know when you pledge a dollar to that person they get a they get a dollar whatever Um, I have it set up so that it's a a monthly subscription and so what I do is I source um, my prompts from my patrons and then I put it in like this little spreadsheet and then I just randomly select the prompts for that month Oh, and then wow. and then I distribute it to the rest of the group, and I encourage the rest of the group to do the same. So so I get yeah, some cool. some of their fans prompts as well, and some of them are on Patreon too, which is which is cool. So yeah,
0: um, and I'm I'm going to link to all of your Patreon yay. and Bandcamp and your sites and what and. Anything that you want me to link to, you just let me know, and I'll I'll link to all of it. Yeah, um, great. Or if you just want me to link to one central place, you let me know. <laughs> okay, um, cool. But I'm I'm interested in hearing. You know, since you're doing the Patreon and the Bandcamp and all these other things, and you mentioned wanting to have more autonomy, um, how has the landscape changed now as a content creator, as a an artist, musician, songwriter? Uh with all of the new technologies, the new distribution channels, how has that changed the game for you as an artist?
1: Um well,
0: uh let's see. Um and, and but by game I don't yeah. mean the game um, Yeah, yeah, I understand the specific game, I <laughs> yeah, mean the, yeah. the metaphorical game. You know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, you know, it's sort of a difficult question to answer because it kind of was happening around me and not that I was being resistant to it, but I felt like I couldn't, um, I couldn't engage because I was sort of like tied to someone else making decisions for me when it came Uh to my career, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so once I, and it really was just a matter of me kind of needing to take action. Um, And I, you know, that, I, I suppose that's something that, I don't know. It's hard to say, like, I guess okay. I could have done yeah. it earlier, but, um, but I just, it's, it's great. I mean, to, to put it, to put it, um, in as brief a statement as possible, it's really cool. Cause I am able to, I think, you know, I'm able to do things I was, wouldn't have been able to do 10 years ago when I started, you know? So, yeah. um, so it's great. And again, can't say it enough. I'm really grateful to, you know, the, the people that kind of plucked me out of Of obscurity or whatever and kind of gave me a start because it has been hugely beneficial for me to have you know at least two fully produced super pro sounding albums it's great and um, and I've gotten a lot of really cool opportunities because of it um however you know like uh the industry has changed and I think it's the landscape uh of of the industry is so different. And I think there's going to be a lot more control put into the hands of creators because I don't think fans want to be gatekeepered to or whatever, you know, like, um, so uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. I'm glad that, uh, that I, that I figured it out and, you know, or not figured it, I'm never going to figure it out, but you know, (laughs) like that I, that I decided to kind of take the plunge and just, you know do what i want to do you know so that's so yeah, yeah it's it's good and um, and i'm happy to kind of be in that mindset
0: all right so uh, we're I, I know that we could keep talking about stuff forever i certainly would enjoy going on and on and on uh you know i've got a whole list of questions i could ask you but um I told you it wouldn't be too long, and now we're already at uh, at 40 minutes. So I want to ask you one quick question and then give you a chance to uh, uh, just plug, you know, one big dark room and tell us about whatever else coming up you want to tell us about. Um, so the, the question is, uh, with all of the distribution channels available to you now, how did you settle on Patreon and... Whatever else that you've decided to do, it, did you just pick them out of a hat and you say, "Well, this one looks good," or was there some sort of thought process, you know, uh, sort of analysis process that went into making those decisions? Because, I mean, y- you know, this—we have so much information and so many channels coming at us all the time, and so many paths we can go down today. How do how do you how do you choose?
1: Um, well. Uh I would say that there really, well, <laughs> I mean, there sort of was a strategy, but the strategy yeah. was kind of to not exactly have a strategy. Like, <laughs> um, basically I'll try to, try to be brief, but, um, I have not as long been, as you want. <laughs> I haven't been good about, um, keeping in touch and following up and staying in contact. And, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like retaining, the attention and information of people that, that come in contact with my music. Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah, um, yeah. so I haven't been good about that. And I think that that again is part of the old way of thinking. Like, I mean, people told me to have a mailing list, but I was like, yeah, but what do I do with it? You know? Right, <laughs> like, right. um. So, and now I, now that I have invested more time in, into, um, into learning what I should do with that kind of information, obviously it's, Totally invaluable, and now I'm the like old lady Lex, like talk, talking to all my younger counterparts, going like, Start your email list, you know. <laughs> um, they're like, No, but my my YouTube video has thousands and thousands of views, like, I don't need an email list, and I'm just shaking my head, you know, like, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so basically, what happened, uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure. I guess it's been about a year since I started my Patreon campaign, but around that time, I was like, Okay, I need to take matters into my own hands that this is going to be a sustainable thing you know what can i do and um and at that point i you know again this is super obvious now but um i was like where i wanted to set up as many points of like possible income streams as i could yeah um yeah. and just have them be there so if if people do want to support me, um, then those options are there. So that to, right. to to answer the simple answer is that is I just there are actually a lot of different ways that that you can. Um, it, I'm not really interested in like ge- generating eyeballs really at this point. Like I'm kind of trying to set up all the all the, um, you know, engagement at this point, and then traffic, driving traffic will come later. For me, that's kind of where I'm at in the process. Um, Yeah. So, and part of what I've been doing is just kind of trying to regain, you know, the attention of the fans I have. Um, and you know, keep in touch with those people better than I have in the past. So, um, and and again, you know, continue to engage with them, build rapport with them, get to know them better, let them get to know me a little better, because um, that's the whole reason I'm doing this in the first place, right? And then, um, and then, you know, provide uh, avenues for them to support me if they wish to. So, um, so Patreon is kind of a no brainer. Um, you know, I could have set up my own membership site or whatever, but uh, but I, I like patreon and it has a lot of options and they really know what they're doing like they're definitely kind of just starting um but like Mm -hmm. all their rollouts you know you can kind of see that they have um you know a vision for where it's going to go and I think it's going to be really cool and I definitely think it's the future of where um you know where content like consuming is going you know like I think that people again people want to just support the people that they like and um yeah. and do that without paying other people to do you know um or having people make decisions for them about what they should listen to or what they should consume so um so yeah so that was kind of anyway to long answer your question but that that was that was yeah, why i chose patreon
0: i i am <laughs> glad that you went into that depth and i i love that you you actually answer questions uh, at length i um I think it's cool to hear all of that thought process that, that goes goes into all of it. Uh, so um, I, to wrap things up, you know, I, I love the, the new EP that I got from you, uh, The One Big Dark Room uh, from Hell with Love. And uh, so, of course, I'm going to include links to that. But, uh, you know, obviously that came out of this, you know all of the things that have gone on in your life in between that you've already talked about. Uh, So I'd love for you to talk about that project. I know you've got the new album coming up um, that you think might be released in the spring of 2018. Uh, Tell us about all those things and anything else that, that you want to plug.
1: Okay, let's see. That's a lot of stuff. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know, it's okay. Um, uh, I have a tendency to be long-winded and verbose, so um, so it's daunting, but... Um, I have as much time as you do, so <laughs> okay, feel cool. free. Um, so one big dark... So uh, kind of uh, zoom, zoom back a little bit. Um, sure. For all of these years that I've been creating you know after a few years of writing a song a week there's a lot of stuff not to mention you know the Mm -hmm. the eight years of of creation before that and again i only have albums that come out once every three to five years so and those albums only have eight to twelve songs on them or whatever so um so i have a lot of stuff and i think um it's hard to say for sure but i think part of why um or at least a reason that i think is suspect for um not being able to sustain my career the way that I've wanted or, like, get as much success as I've, you know, sought out is um, that I think people are kind of confused about Lexland and, you know, what it is and what they can expect and particularly live. I think that's been confusing for people because, you know, sometimes I'll just be, playing jazz standards solo in a restaurant and like, sometimes I'll have a full band and we're playing really aggressive songs. And then sometimes, you know, it's, or sometimes I'm doing show tunes, you know, it's yeah. so, um, which I thought would be really, which I thought was cool. You know, I basically just want to be Jeff Buckley, you know? So I'm like, if he could do it, I could do it. But I think that, um, I think the attention span of people is, is too small at this point. And if I want to, um, you know, diversify later on I certainly could but I think I I sort of felt that a couple of reasons I thought it would be good to kind of funnel the different types of songs at least by genre um and and possibly um lyrical themes and content um into different projects um so that the targeting would be a little bit easier to kind of nail down um and and Not just from a marketing perspective per se, but I mean, I want people to resonate with what I'm doing and I don't want um, there to be too much noise that they don't, that they can't, you know, so, um, so that's kind of where I've been going with this. I, you know, the Lexland project, um, not necessarily in the in the past, you know, albums, but definitely uh, in the writing and performance here, like basically all the content that I've created in the past couple of years since the last album came out is a little more jazzy. It's a little, little more upbeat, but you know, mm-hmm. with that sort of self deprecating humor and, um, you know, breakup songs and that kind of stuff, it's just a little more wry. And, um, and I have all of these songs from that. I wrote after the death of my friend and, you know, to me they all fit the, the the catalog but i think it's it's too you know i tried to sing and this really i love this song it's called my babies in the morgue and um and it's it sounds like a silly title uh, understandably um but it's actually like a really sweet tender you know sad morning song and um and i i tried to play it and when i would try to uh, you know, I try to play it a few times. And one time when I was introducing the song and I started playing it, like people were laughing <laughs> and, uh, and I, and then like, and then they felt really uncomfortable later when they realized it wasn't a joke song. Um, and so that was sort of a, a big cue that I couldn't do that. Um, wow, at least, at least for
0: now. So is, is this song going to be released on an EP or an album at some point?
1: Yeah, I think I'll probably do put it if, if, I mean, hopefully in the next year or so, I'll make it a real, um, you know, like a full length, one big dark room. I'm just, I'm only planning on doing, I'm going to release EPs occasionally, um, more frequently just to kind of get some, some content out there. But, um, but I think I'll probably save it for like a, a real release, um, like, or at least a full length. I'm not sure. I really haven't thought through through that much, but, um, it could have been on from hell with love. It fits the theme, but I just, uh i don't know i want to make sure i do that one right you know um so it's a really special song to me but anyway um so that was sort of a a turning point too i also have um this whole like other side thing that i've been kind of working on and kind of not um called more haunter um which is similar in theme um it's darker stuff but it's like uh it's kind of like uh dancey sort of like r&b kind of prince style stuff okay um so i've been kind of working on these three projects separately and and trying to figure out like you know when i write something try not to censor myself too much but when i write something i'll say like okay this might be a one big dark room song or this might be this or whatever and then kind of go from there and that'll sort of dictate the the production and sort of like where i'm going to perform them and that kind of thing so um so yeah so that basically uh is kind of what's happening is i'm I've had this plan in my mind to funnel these songs into these different projects. And I'm actually starting to take action on, on completing that. So, or at least completing that process. So, so one big dark room, um, I finally got around to, um, recording a little EP and, I'm starting to perform under that moniker now uh those songs and it has its own vibe and mood and um I'm pretty sure you know the people that it resonates with will be much different than the than the audience that I think Laxland will ultimately um attract. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so that's kind of what's going yeah. on with that.
0: Interesting to have that multi-pronged approach. I mean for, just for the record uh, I love the eclectic nature of your albums and I, I, I was surprised when I read I don't even remember where I read it but some critic or other said that oh it's too eclectic and I thought I don't I don't think so I love it um but I, I yeah. also hear what you're saying <laughs> and, and some I people do
1: and some people don't so yeah yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. now y- you mentioned censorship uh so I I do quickly want to ask this question that I. Uh, I started sort of asking you before we started recording um, uh, about the thought process. You, you just said you would try not to censor yourself too much, um, but I'm sure that as you're writing, there has to be some thought about the, the use of certain <coughs> words that some people don't like to hear, and so I, I'm, I'm just curious, what's, what's your personal thought process about the the curse words the four letter words you know all the, all that kind of stuff in your music in your writing
1: um again i uh you know didn't i just again i just i really try to write from an honest place i try to yeah. write how i talk yeah. um and i think that for certain audiences that's okay and for certain audiences it's not and i think that i i don't know it's hard for me to say but i think i've maybe overestimated my audience (laughs) My, you know like some some of my fans really like it they love it and if i don't do a a curse word because i often will just omit the curse words now when i'm performing things live um Ah, yeah i'll just i'll just change them out i mean especially if there's you know like kids or whatever i just don't even want to um, and that's, again, that's kind of another reason why I'm wanting to sort of separate the projects because right. I think, like, the Lexland thing is sort of cute and, you know, sweet and tender and the aggressive stuff, while I think it adds dimension, I think it's it's off-putting for people. So, um, so there, I think my stuff will always be a little, you know, the Lexland project will always be a little eclectic. I think that's part of its yeah. charm, but, um... But as far as the curse words go, um, you know, I was urged to not put them in, and I was like, no, I. this is who I am, this is me, yeah. like, I think it will resonate with the people that I want it to resonate with, and um, and I think it does, it's, I'm, I don't think I'm yeah. incorrect, it's fine I, that they're there. I think so. Yeah, it's fine that they're there, um, however, like, for instance, uh, Someone New on My Mind was, I had no idea it would be the most popular song from that album, but it was, and People can't play it on the radio, so um, so yeah, I'll definitely keep that in mind in the future. I think Um, yeah, Yeah. and
0: I I understand that that's a um it, it it's difficult as as a a writer as an artist trying to communicate something real when when the real thought is this word. You know, it's like th- this is the word that captures what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. This captures what I want to say, but it's a word that people don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, how how do I write this without that word? And I'm I'm a firm believer. You know, I I don't, um, as I said, you know, I I I don't curse a lot, but I do in what I consider to be the right setting that that Mm -hmm. I believe that there are times when those nasty words are the best way to express a particular idea. Yeah. And, and so I, I certainly understand what you're grappling with there. uh, And I appreciate you um, being willing to, explain your thought process about it
1: yeah yeah for sure yeah um again it's it's how i talk i you know i always have um and so i just want to use the language that i'm used to using um because i just feel like that's the best representation of of my of my voice my you know the my writer's voice um but uh but yeah i think it, it it really depends on um you know your audience and uh now that i have a better sense of who my audience probably ultimately will be, I know that I probably shouldn't, (laughs) you know, it's fine to like do it on the mic at a show if it, if if it feels right or whatever, but it's, it's another to try to pedal like a jazz album that has a, has curse words on it. It's just not, they're not conducive to each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I know I inserted another question in there. I appreciate you taking the time to answer that one. Is there, Uh, is there more that you want to to pitch about upcoming projects or things like that?
1: Um, I mean, I would say uh, that the best way to keep in touch would be to, you know, of course, join my mailing list. Um, and uh, I'll try to give you a good link for that um, after we we part, after this call. But um, uh, And other than that, patreon.com slash Lexland. Um, it's a really easy way to hear Pretty read and hear pretty much everything that I make as I make it. Often I write the song that day and then just post it that day, and each song has, um, I I write a, a quite lengthy blog posts often about the inspiration behind each piece and the story behind each piece um, and sort of my process in that. And then there are additional rewards as well if you want to pledge more. Um, And then my patrons, you know, again, they source my prompts for the songs. They get early access to videos and all kinds of other cool things. So I send them a lot of free stuff, to be honest. Um, So that's kind of like the best way uh, to kind of keep in touch. My talks are barking (laughs) (laughs) um to keep in touch with me and um and get all my content kind of my new content um because I'm probably most active there but you can find me pretty much anywhere yeah
0: all right Lex I really appreciate you taking the time I I, I've kept you almost twice as long as I projected I would keep you I appreciate you being so cool about that and about the whole thing you've made this so easy Uh, Everybody, if you are interested in hearing more from Lex Land, I will have links in the show notes. Uh, I'm sure that I'll write some additional pieces uh, on the blog, and I'll have all of the information that that Lex wants me to share with you posted there. Um, As you just heard her say, uh, the... She is an artist, and she has this mailing list, and she needs people to support her. And I'm a big fan of that sort of thing. Um, I I think that uh, too often it's easy for us to want things free because we've lived in this advertising culture for so long and kind of expect things to be free, uh, not even realizing the price that we're paying through That advertising and I love the idea of patronizing the people who create things that we enjoy so I strongly encourage you to uh, to check out Lex's material check out One Big Dark Room if you like it then uh, support her because uh, that'll make it possible for her to produce more music that she can uh, let all of us listen to and enjoy Lex thanks so much for being with us today and best of luck in all of the upcoming endeavors.
1: Thanks so much. May I just add real quick, I mean, it goes goes for all the artists that you like. If you see them, you know, your listeners, if you see them um, creating content on Facebook, even if it's not something you're particularly interested, just give it a like. You know, it, it boosts the visibility. Yeah. um you'll see more of their content that you probably do want to see. Um, so just like engage with them, you know, support them financially, just support them, you know, from just a moral support standpoint is also great. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> absolutely. and and sometimes the best support that we can give at a particular time isn't money, but it's sharing. What we like with others. So if you feel like you're not in a position to offer financial support, uh, then the moral support Lex mentioned is good. But share it with your friends. Tell them about it and let them have the opportunity to enjoy the music and potentially offer uh, financial support or whatever other kind of support they're in a position to give.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, Lex, thanks so much. Have a, a great day. And hopefully uh, you've enjoyed it enough that uh, I'll get to have you back on when uh, when the new album is released and we can dig in uh, even deeper to some of these things.
1: Absolutely, anytime.
0: Thanks, Lex. Yeah. All right, everybody, that's it for Whit Glass Unfiltered, episode 33. Thanks for being with us today. And I, I really hope you've enjoyed this. I, I'm serious if... Um, If you'll take the time to follow some of these links for Lex's material, I I think you'll really uh, be captivated by it and enjoy it. And, of course, if you're enjoying this show, please tell your friends about it. Um, I do finally have the newsletter sign up on the website, uh, so please sign up for the newsletter. I'll be sending out some some interesting tidbits there that you're not going to get anywhere else. I'm not going to post them on the website. Uh, I'm not going to... Uh, to talk about them here on Whit Glass Unfiltered. They're just going to be uh, little nuggets that you get to enjoy from me and only if you sign up for the newsletter. Uh, obviously, if you're interested in supporting my efforts, there's a, bu- a button there on the website that you can click on and, uh, and do that. Thanks again for being with us. Have a great day and I'll look forward to seeing you next time.